1: The Around the NFL Podcast. Tracks kickers more than NFL coaches do. Welcome to
2: another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, Joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey. Week 2 flagship program recapping every game on Sunday. Um, And... Another wild week too. They always are wild, Mark, because all the expectations of the preseason and the summer give way to the awakenings of week one and then things start to get changed into another direction after the second week of football.
3: They do, and today I was know, one of Mark those with a C thank you. Those we one of those uh, special Sundays where they give you ten early games. So, you know, if you're at a sports bar, you can just choose to do what you want and eat food all day long and enjoy yourself. If you're us, it's it's like 15 uh, aircrafts coming at you at the same time and you just come out with as much information as possible and, you know, the show may suffer for it.
2: A little ridiculous to have 10 early games.
3: I don't know what the strategy <laughs> so is there from a network here? angle either. But I'd like to what? spread them out a little bit. Greg, you're,
2: usually, you're very plugged in with the shadowy league figures. You're always hobnobbing.
3: <laughs> potentially uh, one of
2: them. Potentially one of them in the future. Why is it that they can't give us more balance on a
4: Sunday? I would say randomness would be a factor where the home games are. And then you want to load up—you want to have the most amount of people watching the national game. So that was Saints-Rams. So
3: sometimes they like to load it up so everyone has to watch it. I, I took a quick look because it does affect um, some of the stuff on Sunday. It looks like it's happening one more time, but then you get all the bye weeks, and that starts to chip yeah. some of these clown teams off the schedule for a week or two. So. All right, so. Clown
4: teams.
2: Um. what happened in week two. We're going to get to it. Two huge quarterback injuries, and we'll get to that early in the show. Uh, but why don't we start... Wes, how are you? A little quiet and early going.
5: My brain's a little scrambled today, but... Take us through a- it. What's up? Well, it's just a lot to keep track of. Mm. <laughs> yes. I didn't get to do as much prep work between the... Because of the schedule. Yeah. Between the yeah. end of the late games, uh, you know, the Bears-Broncos games. Wes is
4: like... Late. He he had like 77 snaps in week one. It was a It was a pretty, <laughs> you know relaxing offseason, and you're feeling that sometimes. The soreness going into Week 2. Week 2 is the real test.
3: There is like a flock of American bricklayers who are like, <laughs> okay, boys, what's your do- what are you doing on Sundays that's so tough?
2: Alright, so we have quarterback injuries to get to, but let's start with the wildest ending uh, to a Week uh, 2 game, and it happened, oh yeah, up in Mile High. You, you go to Empower Field, Wes, and crazy things go down.
1: He's made it from 40 and 52, this one from 53 right hash. Scales down the ball, down to the hole from the right hash, angle to the left, good placement, boot by Eddie Pinheiro, kick to the uprights, and the kick is good for the win, Pinheiro with the Dinero kick to send Denver down as time expires, Mm. Bears 16, Denver 14, they escape with the victory on the road, fade to black.
2: Beautiful, (laughs) I thought he said Dinero, like money. money,
3: yes. I thought, Pan- the- I thought it was
2: like a Panera bread. No, I think he had band. that in
3: the holster waiting for something Still to happen. Still doesn't really point. rhyme. Not really. Yeah. Jeff Johnnyak Gianni-
2: with the call for Bears Radio Network. Eddie Pinero, Eddie Money. Baby, hold on to
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> Rest
2: Thank you. in peace. Stroke the 51 yard field goal as time expired, lifting the Bears to a 16 14 win. It's one of the strangest, most unusual endings to a football game that you will ever see. Um, Wes, so much happened here. So much to unpack in the last few minutes of this game, uh, but the Bears stole one at Empower
5: Field. (laughs) It did feel like they stole it. I think that's how Broncos fans will feel. For 59 minutes, it felt like nothing but holding penalties happened in this game. Flacco hits Cortland Sutton to convert a pair of fourth down penalties with the game on the line, or fourth down situations with the game on the line. It then hits Manny Sanders with a great catch in the back of the end zone. Sanders had had an excellent game today. And then the craziness starts with the two-point conversions that Fangio, shows some onions, decides to go for the win, not the tie. (laughs) Let
2: me go through this, Wes. Let me set it up. (laughs) So they score the touchdown, like Wes said, to Sanders. Uh, They're down one point. They decide to go for two. Flacco and the offense gets
4: called for delay of game, backing it up five yards. So that's just a brutal thing. Terrible for a veteran quarterback for that to happen. Might have been on the coaching staff for giving a late call. Who knows?
2: Fangio says, uh, ah, f it. Let's send the kicking team out for the extra point. And let's try to get to overtime." Uh, Brandon McManus pushes it wide right. Game over, and 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 a, and a win uh, for the Broncos. But former Jet Buster screen, off sides. Another thing that cannot happen in that spot. So it moves back closer to the goal line, and Fangio hangs the onions and says, "We'll send Flacco and company back out there. And this time, uh, the play goes through. He connects with Manny Sanders again for the two-point conversion uh, to put them ahead. Uh, just a wild sequence.
5: A wild sequence, and then the ball goes back to the Bears, who have not trusted their quarterback at any point in this game. The Bears did not tr- trust Mitchell Trubisky at one point. They scored their only touchdown of the year by running the ball nine straight times and not passing at all mm. on the drive. So that's how much they trusted their quarterback. Trubisky gets the benefit of a very shaky roughing the passer penalty on Bradley Chubb that not only gives the Bears 15 yards, but stops the clock. More than In shaky. A, that was a disgrace, yeah, that call. Yes, I, mean, it, I think that
4: was a lot worse than the Clay Matthews call, which got a lot of attention. Because the Matthews call, and it could be argued, was the letter of the law. This one I failed to understand. Gravity took hold. He he went down
2: on the quarterback because he was tackling the quarterback and it was completely legal when he made contact. That should be reviewable. Get one Forget one about P.I.
5: And it will be no solace to Broncos fans that, that judgment calls like pass interference is a root ru- Reviewable, but a game-deciding call like this is not reviewable, even though it's a judgment call. How about a little consistency and philosophy here NFL?
2: And then it gets to the point where they're in desperation. Mode. That at least gives them a chance uh, to get near midfield. And then uh, with their backs against the wall, Trubisky finally makes a play. He steps um, up in the pocket.
5: Fourth and 15, and the Broncos leave Allen Robinson wide open in the middle of field. Now the play broke down a little bit, so that's why he got wide open, but you still can't allow that. And then they got the benefit of the doubt again from the clock keeper that they decided there was one second left on the clock, and you could say there was zero seconds left I, on I the thought clock. that was that clear. That's for me.
4: Everyone really? got all up in arms about, okay, did they get the timeout? You can say before the play, the coach could say, the second he hits the ground, we're calling a timeout. And so is that, that, that a rule or, that, or is that an unwritten rule? that that is how the nfl works in terms of yeah. timeouts we say you know they don't really sweat the time in terms. as long well, you as you don't need to get prepared. the attention of an official no, if you say it no, beforehand no no if you're if you're down you can call the time so i i wasn't worried about that cuz it seemed clear even then it's borderline it was border. It was 1 second
2: though. It looked like there was 1 second. I I was more hung up I like Mark was with the idea of don't you need to get someone's attention and get the timeout called but I guess if you I, I'm, set it up ahead I'm fine of time. with
3: it if it if that's if that's how they want to operate yeah. with it. I my one thing because the a, a win like this the Bears fans went through a hellish week after week 1 and I get that and you can feel good tonight about Getting out of Denver, a tough one of the toughest places to play. With this, and, and if I'm Vic Fangio, I don't have a problem with going forward on two because I don't think that offense is getting back into scoring position in overtime necessarily. But Bears, and I, and nice play by Mitch Trubisky. But I do not come out of this game with anything but hyper concern about the elong, the the long path of this offense season wide. How do you win seven games with this offense? Four point
4: four yards per attempt. One hundred twenty yards. It, you know, it was pretty interesting that the the Bronco I mean Joe Flacco threw an awful what appeared to be game ending interception in the red zone just before that happened. Their last three drives, they're driving up and down the field on the Broncos. They kick a field goal, they throw an interception on the goal line, and then they score a touchdown with the two-point conversion on that Bears defense. It reminded me a little bit of that Eagles game in the playoffs where the offense was bad for so long that the defense eventually caved in.
2: It's going to be a long and wild and fun night at the kicker club (laughs) because Eddie Pinheiro is the biggest superstar in the game this summer in the kicker club after going through the gauntlet of Bears' training camp and off-season activities where Chicago and Matt Nagy brought in nine different kickers and uh, essentially played mental war games on everyone in that competition as they try to work their way away from the double doink and Cody Parkey. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro drills a game winner, uh, I'm sure being 5,000 feet above sea level help, but hey, that was an onions kick. Let's hear from Eddie after the game, because he deserves it.
1: Yeah, that was... Like I said, I couldn't have done it without my team. Thank God that it
3: was to this point. And for everybody listening, man, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you better start because he's real. I promise you that.
4: He's a Bears fan. That's now confirmed. He said he was emotional because of everything he went through in terms of the Augusta silence, everything like that. Wes, update us with your state of the Broncos, because sitting next to you, when, when they called that holding penalty... Uh, a rather offsides penalty on the Bears that gave the Broncos another chance. It was the most emotional I'd seen you uh, watching a football game in a while. A lot of ups and downs for the the, the once team of West T.L.
5: Well, that had a lot more to do with the situation that you just don't see like a last minute like this. With, with the two-point conversions and the onions and the going for it and the penalties. The Broncos had 27 first downs in this game, which is the same number as the Patriots and 49ers and their 40-burgers. They moved the ball up and down the field all game. You ask where the big plays were, they all got brought back on Garrett Bulls holding penalties or Ronald Leary holding penalties. They moved the ball. They had big plays. The big plays just didn't
3: count because of holding penalties. Right, we we've seen at this point 10 or 11 teams that Wes has you know cozied up to over the course of seasons. The Joe Flacco-led Broncos do not, at this point, to me, look like one of those teams. I will wait and see what. you We're you're not doing. letting
2: you off the roller coaster either, Wes.
5: That's fair. I've got to spend time in the penalty box, but I will say that the biggest you're strapped in, baby. The biggest issue with the Broncos' offense so far this year is they've not been able to do anything in the condensed area of the red zone, except right. on that go-ahead touchdown and two-point conversion. Right, you get 27
4: first downs. Yeah, that's nice. You scored 14 points. Oh, good luck
5: with that. Again, watch the game. You're going to see a lot of Garrett Bowles holding penalties undoing the good of Philip Lindsey, Royce Freeman, and Joe Flack. Right,
4: and he he remains their left tackle. They said after the game they're not even considering benching Garrett Bowles. And I imagine John Elway, whether there's unwritten rules or written rules
2: about the timeout, is given a call to the New York office just to share his feeling on it because that is a tough way to lose a game. My goodness. All right, let's move on now to a rematch of the NFC Championship game.
1: Again, they empty out and leave Goff alone in the shotgun. He's going to take this snap with less than eight seconds on the play clock. Here it comes. Rush from the Saints. He throws left side. Cooper Cup the catch. 45 and 50. Stiff arm in Saints territory. He breaks a tackle. Gets a block at the 30. Cooper cut 20. Waves back 10. Cooper cut Touchdown away.
2: Cooper Cup was actually ruled down at the one-foot line. But who cares? Jared Goff scored on the next play anyway. And J.B. Long of the Rams Radio Network um, with the call there. Good man. 27-9 win for the Rams over the Saints at the Coliseum. Uh, It was supposed to be a revenge game for the Saints after last January's NFC Championship game officiating debacle. Uh, But instead, the Saints are holding their breath after Drew Brees. And this is the biggest storyline coming out of this game suffered a potentially serious thumb injury in the first half. Breeze, the last thing we've heard as as we go up to tape here um, around um, 9 o'clock Eastern time, uh, that he's going to undergo testing here in Los Angeles to determine the severity of the injury. Um, Mark, it didn't pass... Uh, the test, the sniff test when you're watching it on the sidelines right off the bat. He he, he enters it. Col- his hand collides with Aaron Donald on a pass rush and he's immediately out of the game. His hand's taped up, but he's just standing there watching. There's there's no attempt to try to warm up. And then at one point, uh, Fox cameras catch Breeze go to try to even just pick up the ball and immediately tosses it away because obviously he gets a surge of pain. Very bad situation for the Saints. I mean,
3: that, that helps to, that, that's when it helps to have Troy Aikman uh, watching what's happening because he's been through these things before. He went through some ups and downs with durability. And right away he said, no, Breeze is absolutely not coming back in this game. And it's probably more serious than anyone would let on at this point because there were no, even, there were no doctors even examining him. He was just sort of sitting there with a dejected look on his face. And suddenly you're getting a very big helping of Teddy Bridgewater
2: too much Teddy Bridgewater much in me. this game. Uh, and we'll see if Bridgewater ends up being their starter going forward in the weeks ahead. And we'll find out again, uh, probably this time tomorrow, we'll have a much better idea of where uh breeze is. Uh, but, so far, what we've seen, Greg from Bridgewater, has been underwhelming. Is in terms of his Saints career, Week 17, which I get—it's a throwaway game when he, he he played that game, did not play well, and was not able to rally the troops uh, on the road against the Rams here.
4: Yeah, would like to see him, you know, in a start. In a game, they're prepping him as the starter, you know, with starters around him. He didn't have that in Week 17. Obviously, it came in here. And the Saints' offense wasn't exactly—it was very early in the game, but this started out as a defensive struggle. I think these two teams are both maybe not totally up to speed on what they want to do offensively. I know the Saints looked pretty good in Week 1, at least in the second half of that Texans game. But both seem like they're— getting their feet under them in terms of having the offenses they used to have.
5: I just wonder if you have the next Steve Young, which Sean Payton has called (laughs) Taysom Hill, why is he not getting the call over Teddy Bridgewater, who had a 10.8 QBR in this game and, like we said, was terrible last year in the season
3: finale. I I would imagine it's because how they've divvied up any snaps behind Breeze from August through now. But I'm with you that I— Taysom Hill is this electrifying, new-age type player who does so many th- things, throws the ball beautifully. I, I don't know how, if, depending if Breeze is out for a while, how long of a leash do we need with Bridgewater playing if it's this way?
2: There is the possibility that Sean Payton knows. He might say he's Steve Young or whatever, but he knows maybe Taysom is a player better in spurts than as their down-to-down quarterback. And that will probably, we'll learn that for sure depending on how long Right, if he really believes that, gets here. he'll
4: play him. And right, if he's right. just Soon. talking trash, then he won't. Because Taysom Hill's three years older than Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he, he's not exactly like a rising young prospect. Right. And the the Saints, who are very close to being 0-2 this year,
2: if not for a bailout by Will Lutz there on Monday Night Football, uh, it what really jumps out to me um, from this game is if this Breeze injury is serious, the NFC South becomes a lot more interesting. It was a kind of a runaway division, it seemed like, for the Saints – um, if Breeze misses a lot of time uh, and they do not get good quarterback play, that opens the door up for everybody in that division, uh, and that will be interesting to watch.
5: Nobody's mm-hmm. played well in this division so far.
2: No. No. And Jared Goff – Except uh, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is oh, just Bowles. flying around killing the field. <laughs> well, He's killing okay. it. He's back. It's the redemption season. But uh, on the Rams side of the ball, Jared Goff better than he was in week one, but still not great. Uh, but an improvement, so no need to panic with Goff. And Gurley, it's coming further into focus now. He had his first touchdown of the year um, in this game, um, averaged almost four yards a carry on 16 carries, but they ran the ball 30 times as a team, and Gurley had just about half those carries. They are going to, it seems like, it's going to back up what people suspected, that it's a little bit of a running back by committee in L.A., at least early in the season. Maybe it's something that shifts as time I'm goes on. I'm fine
3: up. with that. And, and, Greg, you mentioned the Rams kind of figuring out what they are about at this point, which is absolutely fine. And what I love about them an early trait is they played a resilient second half against the Panthers last week and went away winning that game without too many questions. And, yes, the Saints in this game, that fumble – should have been a touchdown for that defense that got whistled dead mid-run to the end zone is disgraceful. And, and everyone calling that game and the official on hand said that should never happen. The rule is you should let it roll and then decide later that it's not a fumble. Why that do we is, get that so often? It's ridiculous that it happened to the Saints in this, what essentially was a second helping of last year's disgraceful disgracefully called NFC title game. That said, I don't think in the end it would have stopped the Rams from doing what they did in this game. I really love the way they play down the stretch two weeks in
4: a row. It's a sign of a great team when you win games that you don't play that well. That they Okay, they, people saying they haven't played that well this year. Well, they won on the road against the Panthers. They end up winning this game by 18. Goff ends up throwing 10 yards per attempt. The Saints defense gives up, what, three straight touchdowns in the second half and three possessions? Take know, that. What more do you want? And the girly thing, it's a fantasy problem. And I get that's why it's in our Twitter feed. But if you're the rant, it's like, who They cares? don't care. Who cares? He's getting thir- 63% of the snaps. He's the starter. You know, it's a fantasy problem.
3: It's not really a rant. Got through a few beautiful passes in this game, too.
4: Yeah, his
2: long, he had a 50 yard hookup uh, with Brandon that, Cooks. That, that throw, was go watch that Origins, 57 it. yard throw. And uh, the other big takeaway, positive wise, uh Cooper Cup looks like Cooper Cup from uh, before the ACL tear last year. You
4: mentioned how the NFC South is up for grabs. We'll see if the NFC West is up for grabs, but right now they have 3-2 and 0 teams. You don't see that too often. Mm. I mean there's there's three the three teams out there feeling pretty good about themselves. All right.
3: They'll all go uh 14-0. Four, so let's start let's all start 14 and 0, I predict.
2: <laughs> you should. <laughs> that's no issues there. If you're if if you're a game official that's blowing a play dead, still after this happens 14 times every year, and everyone else agrees that that makes no sense to blow it dead, there's got to be some type of penalty.
3: I would put the man. You got to call it. the league office. I would take and help the official. You go to the nearest American shoreline. You put them on a vessel, and the vessel just goes deep Float. out into sea, and we never hear from that human ever again. That would solve. You'd eliminate people doing this. They do
4: get graded, right? So they get a scolding. Should be an
3: Automatic. It's got to be a deeper punishment. To they're out.
4: They're gone. Into and the. And maybe rise. you get picked up by a
2: vessel that happens to be in the neighborhood. Maybe you land on an island and survive. Or not our don't. problem. I started to feel bad, you
5: bad for the officials forever. lately.
4: It's like we we we, no, we you're have try to solve problems here. I'm Let's just penalize saying. Penalize the penalty These players go out. They have a terrible game. No it, You know. That, it happens. Well, people it's have, not a ref's.
3: Greg, sorry.
2: Uh, All right, more injury issues at the quarterback position. Let's head to Pittsburgh.
1: Penny is wide to the right. Let's keep an eye on Will Disley, the tight end. Russell takes the snap. Looks far side. He's going to throw downfield. He's got Metcalf. He's got it. Touchdown Seahawks. DK Metcalf one-on-one down the far sidelines. Good luck. Perfect pass by Russell Wilson. A 28-yard strike. That's number 201 touchdowns for Russell Wilson. What a Hall of Fame career he is having. 27-19, the Seahawks leading.
2: Steve Rabel of the Seahawks Radio Network with the call. Yes, Russell Wilson, dangerous. Threw for three touchdowns, including that gorgeous 28-yarder to DK Metcalf. That kid can play. Uh, The Seahawks hold off the Pittsburgh Steelers 28-26 at Heinz Field. The Steelers, and we'll get to the... um, the the Seahawks in a moment. But the Steelers are 0-2, and Greg, that's just the start of it.
4: Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger left this game with an elbow injury just before halftime in, in the final drive that he had moving down the field. He was shaking his elbow quite a bit, sometimes right until the, he was in a shotgun formation, sometimes until the You're minute... You were giving him some heat. Well, uh, a he was he was sitting there flapping his arm <laughs> until the second the ball came, and then he actually he moved him down the field. I believe they scored on that drive, but he obviously was in serious pain. It was his left elbow, didn't come back out. They're going to have tests, and James Conner left in the second half, and Mason Rudolph came in, played pretty well uh, for the most part, uh, but... Obviously, starting the season 0-2 and Roethlisberger being injured is a disaster, and there has to be a part of Mike Tomlin and everyone associated with the Steelers that is even more worried because they realize Ben Roethlisberger and James Conner's injuries, James Conner also left in the second half, were not the reasons they lost this game. I mean, we do that segment in the offseason, you know, what you simpletons probably Mm -hmm. don't realize. Like, what you simpletons don't realize is the Seahawks were – you know, doubling them up in total yardage in the first when I half. We're not
2: saying the audience of the simple.
4: Yeah, no, just anyone. Any hot men tomorrow yes. who kind of put this on the injuries. Mason Rudolph moved the ball better than Ben Roethlisberger. It was their defense that collapsed in the second half. That's,
2: yeah. And James Conner, before he goes out, uh, averages three yards a carry. He did not have a big week one ever either. And, Wes, I, I mean, I'm if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm concerned – do I have the Do I have the horses here? Is it Do I not actually have the horses here to get this thing going, particularly on offense? Or is this just one of those things where a team looks terrible in early September and by mid-November they're you know, eight and five and no one's talking about
5: it. I agree. I, the offense is more of a concern. You know, Collinsworth pointed out last week, they are doing some different things on defense. They are playing much more man-to-man. They are younger. They have a lot of young guys in that secondary, and it's going to take some time for them to get used to that playing style. But on offense, you know, they should be they should be hitting, I'm not saying on all cylinders, but you got to be pl- playing a lot better than they've done these first two weeks.
3: I, I feel like one guy they were counting on, Was and this this was a suspicious guy to be counting on to some degree was Dante Moncrief and he's had two really ugly games in a row and he's cost them he's cost them a lot and that was someone they you know you lose Antonio Brown and obviously Juju Smith Schuster is extremely talented but he's in a different spot playing you know your lead your lead receiver week after week and it's not really worked out he's been held under 100 yards two games in a row
2: based on the box score. Moncrief wasn't a big part of the game plan.
4: He was targeted once. Well, yeah,
3: the ball it, the ball <laughs> was shot off his hands. And so Mason Rudom's first you know. third
4: and long, it was the second pass of the game, went right through Mon- – it was a great third third and long throw to the outside, went right through Moncrief's hands, off his helmet, up into the air for an <laughs> interception. <laughs> what, what else can you do? They do? Then, yeah. And then Dante Moncrief did not play for the rest of the game, which which was a s- smart move. And all this talk about the Seahawks does—I mean, about the Steelers takes away attention from what was a really great, mature game from Russell Wilson. I I think this showed some progress, if you're a Seahawks fan, of Brian Schottenheimer— In Russell Wilson adapting to what was happening. In the first quarter of the game, they're doing their normal dropbacks. The Steelers are absolutely destroying them up front. The Seahawks' offensive line is a big concern for me right now. They're not pass-protecting well, but they adjust to the short-passing game. Russell Wilson ends up getting—what did he have— 300 yards, yeah. three touchdowns in this game without having to look spectacular, without running, without running around. It was just very composed, uh, dicing up the Steelers' zone. They kind of went back to a zone defense this week, and he was picking apart uh, Terrell Edmonds and some of the young players in the in the Steelers' secondary. And Pete Carroll also showed a little new leaf, too, for a 68-year-old, celebrated his birthday uh, for this game. I think he's either the fifth or the sixth oldest coach in NFL history. He called passes on first and second down when they had to go kill the clock to end the game after the Steelers had cut it to two. They did it by throwing, and they went for a fourth and one with two minutes left that would have set the Steelers up to maybe go for the winning field goal. They end up going for it on fourth down. So Pete Carroll, still learning new things. Uh, I guess you can teach an old dog (laughs) new tricks. There you go. Also uh, has to have the greatest – pass interference challenge in NFL history it's only been two weeks but one one play that the announcer I forget who it was now did not think there was any chance uh that he was going to get it overturned and I didn't I didn't think there was a great chance either it didn't and it totally changed the game the Seahawks kept the ball and ended up scoring I mean
3: that is one of those things where he's going to get the credit there's probably someone high up in a booth saying get on that now Birthday, birthday boy? I, hey, if I'm 68 years
4: old, just come congratulate me for living. Oh, he's
3: he's youthful. I just I mean, want
4: to that's a, that's my goal for 68. Forget winning a football well, game. Well, what about Greg, you getting off Seahawks corner in early September,
2: and you know I'm I'm loving it over there. They're, I mean, they're so accommodating. It's really a nice. It's been it's great. Family.
4: This atmosphere. is what this is what every Seahawks team the last decade's been like. It's very close. It's crazy. It's fun. They'll probably go ten and six and lose in the wild card round. Dan so enjoying. enjoying
5: DK Metcalf making game changing plays a nice every week. Little
4: player. What about Will Disley? Not little
2: at all, actually. Will Disley got to get behind the Will Disley Express. Who's not?
1: <laughs> all right, let's move on. Five and a half to go. Can the Packers defense hold? First down, Minnesota. Green Bay eight-yard line. Fake to Cook. Cousins good legs right. Chased by Dean Lowry. Lofts it right corner of the end zone. Leaping it is Kevin second. King. Kevin King's got it. Green Bay football. A spectacular leaping grab. And now the officials are talking it over. It is Green Bay ball. Yes, Kevin King, high in the air, using every inch of his oh, six-three.
2: Wayne Laramie of the Packers Radio Network with the call. How are do you doing, Kirk Cousins? Kevin King intercepted Cousins late, uh, late in the fourth quarter in the back of the end zone. The biggest play in Green Bay's 21-16 win over the Vikings at Lambeau Field. Uh, Mike Petton's defense bailed out the Packers for a second straight week uh, after Aaron Rodgers and company went ice cold following a red-hot start. This is a really strange... Game, boys, and when you watch this on Game Pass, you will agree because the game begins with, after the as we all know, the Packers struggled mightily in week one against the Bears on Thursday night on offense. And in this game, they come out on fire. Three straight bang, bang, bang uh, touchdown drives. They're up 21-0 um, one minute into the second quarter, and you think what you have is going to be a total wipeout. From that point on, the, the game entirely shifted. And the Vikings take control on both sides of the ball, really. Um, the the Packers ha- have about 150 total yards for the rest of the game, period. Uh, don't score another point. And the Vikings start, you know, chipping away, chipping away. Uh, but they continually, continuously, Minnesota shot themselves in the foot in this game. Mm. Um, they could not get over the hump. And the interception was a perfect uh, uh, encapsulation of the struggles by the Vikings to get over the hump. It was a first and goal from the eight-yard line uh, midway through the fourth quarter. And Cousins, who really did not have a good game and is not having a great start to his second season in Minnesota, forces the ball into double coverage, bordering on triple coverage on first and goal from the eight for the interception. It turned out to be their last real chance to do anything. And, you know, I think Cousins was brought um, Mark to Minnesota to be a steadying presence at quarterback, not necessarily be a superstar that um, lifts the team to greater heights, but be a guy that in games like this and division showdowns uh, on the road where you need a big play, he's a guy that can give it to you in this game. He wasn't up to the challenge and the criticism is going to get louder and louder. The more games that pile up, he's like got this.
3: to endure I mean, I don't think that he should have been brought to Minnesota to be a superstar, but at the time he was paid like one, and they, at this point, it feels like, you know, you can look at this game and say, Stephon Diggs, that pass interference that nullified that touchdown was another. I don't want to do this with every game, but it seems no, but like the refs are be, constantly trying to outdo other. There were three themselves.
2: offensive pass interference calls that went against the Vikings. They were all suspect. None worse than the call Mark's referring to. They The, the uh, Kirk Cousins should have had a touchdown pass to Diggs. Nothing called on the field as they're bringing out the extra point uh, uh, team. They get buzzed down from upstairs, and they call an OPI. uh, They call, I think, Dalvin Cook for a screen on a very ticky-tack call that was not made on the field, taking the points off the board. And I'll tell you, uh, you, when you watch this, you'll see. So they lose by five points, okay? That play is your patented uh, Michael Lombardi four-point play because they fail... Uh, to get in the end zone, kick the field goal. That cost him four points. Now there's a one-point difference. The next time the Vikings get in the end zone and score, Stefan Diggs has a long touchdown catch. Diggs is so angry still that he had the other touchdown taken away that in a rage he takes off his helmet and mean mugs the crowd at Lambeau, uh, clearly because he was still fired up that he got screwed before. They flag him for that unsportsmanlike and because there's a new NFL rule, one that I called would cost somebody a game back in, like, uh, June or something. Bingo. They 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct for taking off your helmet, not enforced on the kickoff, but on the extra mm. point. So it backs it up to a 48-yard extra point attempt. You know what happens next. It's blocked. That's the fifth point directed connected directly to that first play. They lose by five. And this was such a Vikings loss. And, uh, you know, I was bemoaning my existence and moping about the Jets uh, late last week. But Vikings fans, they know the feeling too because this is a uniquely typed Vikings loss that when the season ends – and wherever they stand up, whether they fall short of the playoffs or don't have a home game, or they just miss the Packers in the division, you're kicking yourself because they should have won a game. Mm. They were down 21-0, Wait.
3: and they just killed themselves. When they when these calls come down to the sideline, I I think it's time that we have the technology to trace where they've come from because this probably this sounds like it came from like Mike Holmgren's living room. <laughs> I mean, who's actually dialing up anyone to say take a look at that Diggs catch? <laughs> It came from somewhere nefarious, right, I promise you. I'm just saying, someone with Packers ties said, okay. I'm going to get on Green Bay's side here and cause some issues. And let's not
2: lose uh, track of the good news around the Packers. They're 2-0 and under Matt LaFleur. The bad news is they could not have looked worse now for seven out of eight quarters of their season on offense. And you're going to be stunned by how much they struggled uh, to just move the ball, and and Pettin's defense bailing him out over and over again down the stretch of this game. They have a lot of work to do, and we got our first Rodgers barking at Matt LaFleur incident mm. on the sideline, which was downplayed, of course, as you'd expect by Rogers afterward. Uh, but keep an eye on this, because they are still ironing, iron, ironing out some kinks here.
3: Yeah, ESPN's Rob Domofsky, great beat reporter, said, if you had under six quarters into the season when Rogers would come off the field yelling in the direction of Matt the Flower, my name for him, then you're... <laughs> (laughs) winner yeah
4: but survive in advance it's September football these teams aren't no teams are going to resemble what they look like now in December and they have these two division wins in their pocket one in Chicago one against Minnesota and they're winning different types of ways and if if you're a Vikings fan it does feel like a Vikings type of it feels like a Kirk Cousins type of loss because he defies he's got great stats but he's sort of is Mina Kimes made this point, our friend who we had on the show. He has all these great stats, but all the things that, you know, sabermetrics and people that are into numbers, like don't necessarily believe in clutch or big moments or anything like that. Like Kirk Cousins does struggle in big moments. He does struggle when it matters. He struggles when he's near the goal line. PFF had a stat inside the 10-yard line and in. In 2007, he's 27th out of 27 in passer rating with 44% of his passes averaging 1.6 yards per attempt. So he struggled. He gets near the goal line, and he struggles. That's a problem. It's the inverse of that when they t- go back to the, the draft of Tom Brady. It's like, hey, all's
2: measurable is not great, but one thing they couldn't measure was the old <laughs> ticker inside. Same thing with Cousins. They can't measure what's in the heart, and in that case, oh, that, no. that makes up why the guy's not that good and why his teams are never that good. They're playing around He random. never gets it done in a big spot. Ever. All right, and by the way, Dalvin Cook, the one really good news, a uh, bit of good news for the Seahawks, welcome to the Superstar Club. This guy balls out, and he will continue to do so. Let's move on. Now it's
1: fourth down and two, 15 seconds left to go. Here we go. Mariota backs to throw, throws left side, and it's incomplete. It's incomplete on a slant pattern to A.J. Brown. Quincy Wilson on coverage for the Colts, and the Colts are going to win it. The Colts will win in week two with 11 seconds left to go. That was fourth down. The Titans turn it over. They're out of timeouts. They trail 19-17, to 17, and the Colts are going to win it.
2: Oh, Matt Taylor of the Colts' radio network. Yes, uh, the Colts broke up a Mariota pass intended for A.J. Brown. Fourth and two, 11 seconds of play. Clinching Indy's 19-17 win in Nashville. It was that kind of day for the Titans' offense, which struggled to move the ball against the good Colts' defense that brought a lot of heat on Mariota. Uh, Jake Brisket put the Colts ahead with five minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Uh, and at the end of the day, Wes... What you really need to do in that spot, and we, and we all got excited about what we saw from the Titans in Cleveland last week, uh, but what you need to do at home, if you're Marcus Mariota and it's time to take the next step uh, or you're going to be sent out of town, you need to get something done there. And that last possession down 19-17, um, he barely was able to move the ball. It was check down pass, 15-yard uh, scramble, check down pass, spike, on a third and two, mm. setting up a fourth and two, uh, yeah. that then leads to the incompletion. Mariota, after the game, said, that's on me. I should not have clocked the ball there, and it ultimately cost him. So Mariota falls short again, and this is just a 1917 Titans loss at home to the Colts. That's that nine and seven Titans at you right again.
5: So beyond that one drive that mattered at the end of the game, why did they only score 17 points?
2: They Because they had no offensive aerial attack. It's this. Uh Derrick Henry moved the ball just fine. He he's he's a I think a very good running back. They have that element of it. But the you know, there are a couple of things that really jump out to you. Delaney Walker, after having a great week one, he didn't have a big impact in this game. And then remember Adam Humphries? Remember that? Yeah, I was going to say Remember two what a catches, negative one yard. Remember what a big deal that was, that he was going to be a missing piece in this offense? Uh, thus far in the season, I think he has three catches for four yards in well, two games.
5: It, it's odd to me that Marcus, Marietta, Marcus Mariota has always thrown better between the numbers, but has he ever had a slot receiver?
4: Hmm. But he does now. And he's not even. Right,
5: it, but now he's invisible, the slot receiver. Right,
4: so Mariota averaged, what, five, five five and a half, half yards per attempt. You have a chance to set up the game-winning field goal drive with a Yeah, reasonably short field. You don't do it. You spike it on third and in two. I mean, that's that. I don't know if that if he's trying to cover for the coaches, probably not. But that's just a. I hate when teams spike way too much in two minute situations, and on a third down with the game on the line is unbelievably brutal. And after the game, Mariota's talking about how he can't keep taking sacks and can't keep getting hit. And this is. Kind of like we talked about with Winston the other night, you know, making the same mistakes five years in. These are Mariota's same mistakes five years in, which is taking those sacks and and taking those
3: hits. Yeah, but Titans writers talked about Mariota being sort of spooked down the stretch of this game. And to Greg's point, getting hit, Week after week, he got hit a bunch last week. It's lost in the final score of week one, but he took some punishment. It happens again, and the big plays seem to have dried up in this and game. They had a bunch last.
4: There time. was three. There was only one play in this entire game that was over, or two plays over twenty yards by by the two teams combined. Right, because yeah, on the other side of it, uh, Jake Brisket
2: averages uh, just over five yards an attempt. Um, he does throw three touchdown passes, including the big hook up with Hilton. Uh, to put them ahead. Uh, so the Colts, they get back to one and one but that won't be, the win is only going to be a subplot early in the week. And this is another story that's going to kind of adapt as we get away from the studio this, uh, this evening. But Adam Vinatieri in a 1917 win missed two extra points. And this comes on the heels of last week where he missed, what was it? Two field goals and an extra point. Yes, Right. Um, and after the game, so they've, they basically got beat because of Vinatieri last week on some level. And then uh, it almost cost them big here. Uh, after the game, there uh, was a tweet sent out uh, by – let me make sure. It was I Stephen Holder. Stephen the Holder, I think. we Yeah, here it is. Uh, Holder wrote, just grabbed out of Vinatieri was he, as he headed to the bus. He said, you'll hear from me tomorrow. I told him we don't see him tomorrow. And he said, yeah, you will. Um, which, of course, makes you think – that maybe it's all over now for Vinatieri, whether he's going to retire or the Colts are going to make a move and it's going to be some type of joint decision. We'll find out, uh, but that's what it seemed like Mm.
4: um, after the game. Ominous. Jim Mercer, the owner, talked about it too, that they will all have to talk about it. Frank Reich really defended his, you know, Vinatieri. Yeah. But he was hurt in camp too, was missing in camp, and – they can't allow it to, you know, maybe cost them games. It's a huge win for the, for the in this division. It's a big game in this division. It might not feel like a seismic game in, in the NFL, but for the Colts to end up splitting, you know, starting on the road against the Chargers and the Titans, they'll take that, and to get a road win in the division is pretty big. Such a, And Titans fans are going to think I'm piling on or, or doing jumping jacks at, at, in
2: celebration, which would be weird to do in celebration. But just such a bad loss. It's like you you, you come out of that week one against Cleveland – on fire, big on yourself, Delaney Walker is talking about how nobody believes in us. So you guys always talk us down. Then you come home against an Andrew Luckless Colts, and I know we like the Colts as a, a, a still a solid team, but you gotta you gotta show up and you gotta win that game and get to two and zero. How how are you supposed to be taken seriously as an AFC
5: contender when this is how you come home? This has been something you've been railing against for years, and the Titans have yet to prove you wrong. One bright spot after several years. Of chemotherapy, David Questenberry, the lineman, scores his first career touchdown in this game.
3: Yes, good mm. for him. But Dan, one one quick for per- which team? For the Titans. For the Titans. One quick, per- not for the. It wouldn't be so celebratory had he scored for the other team. <laughs> but <laughs> I just didn't know
4: which team he was uh, on. I knew uh, it used to be with Titans, the Texans. A Titans man. I mean,
3: Professionally, Dan. I mean, being a great, memorable, having a memorable beat is about being industrious and you know doing your part of the job, but also hitting it at the right time. And you hit this kickers thing. <laughs> At the absolute sweet spot in history, because it would have been largely a dead storyline week after week. Yeah. Every game we're talking about has kicker nonsense happening. I know. Good timing.
2: I know. Well, I wish it wasn't such a big deal, because it does... Yes.
3: No, you're very happy that it is. It's am, working actually. out for you very well.
2: You actually nailed it. Let's move on.
3: <laughs> Two-point play. Jacksonville
1: going for the lead right here from the two-yard line. Minshew with the gun, three receivers left. Handoff. Fournette, running left. And he stopped... Justin Reed got in there. The D stiffens on the two-point conversion try. The Texans have the lead, 13-12
2: with 30 seconds left. Mark Vandermeer, Texans Radio Network, with the call. With the Jaguars looking to steal the game with a two-point conversion, Justin Reed stuffed Leonard Fournette on the goal line, clinching a win for the Texans. The stop came after Jacksonville rookie Gardner Minshew Led a long drive that included an 18-yard run on 4th and 10. and capped it with a 4-yard touch, uh, touchdown pass to DJ Shark. But Doug Marone opted to take it out of Minshew's hands. Uh, Fournette couldn't get it done. Mark, Marone's call showed onions for days, but shouldn't the Jags have just kicked that PAT?
3: Well, I don't know, because it's, it's, it's this is football. If they, if they hadn't got that thing, we would have said, you know what? You had a rookie quarterback, and you cl- you end the game right there. You get it done, and you're out of there with a big win against the Texans, who had a down day offensively. So I'm not going to kill him for that. I kind of like seeing that kind of thing. That said, I mean, just judging by the reaction of fans, people were – Super down on maroon. I I I don't have a huge problem with with the way that their offense was functioning slash not functioning.
4: Hmm. Why? Because you think they wouldn't have had a great chance to score again? That their best chance was from the two. Because you're putting it yes, in yes, I kind of do.
3: Yes, I kind of do. I mean, because it was you know you needed that last surge from Minshew and the Jaguars. To, to even get into that situation. Their offense was largely lost. They didn't have a lot of continuity from from March to March. Minshew, and I, I know he was, you know, and I love the guy, the idea of him, and he <laughs> was generating massive Twitter heat. He 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 has he, he suffered some growing pains here because he took four sacks, and if you go back and watch, some of them are just he's holding the ball too long. I still think he throws the ball well, and he showed scrambling ability that got them out of a couple jams here, and he did just enough. I think another story in this game was the Jaguars' defense showed up. DeAndre Hopkins held to 40 yards, and you know in this case – that they basically have Jalen Ramsey tracking him snap to snap, and that was a great matchup. It was just a weird matchup because by the end, Carlos Hyde, with twenty touches for ninety yards, had way more than double and more more carries and way more than double yardage than any other skill position player on the Texans and more than anyone in the entire game that it was a Carlos hyde the game channeled through Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson was essentially lost. Deshaun Watson took four sacks of his own, and at one point he was hobbling around, and it's just another reminder that, like, Laramie Tunsil left the game for a couple minutes, too. I just cannot imagine how Watson gets through this entire season. Mm. And this game was not a great performance by the Texans offensively. I don't know. This was two strange games in the AFC South. Mm. This was part two. I mean, neither team topped 300
4: yards. So that all four... AFC South teams, none of them top 300 yards, which is pretty It's pretty rare if for a team not to get that high in, in today's NFL. I don't mind them doing it because Leonard Fournette, on that run, you saw the power, first of all. I mean, he should have been taken down at the three and he almost got over the goal line. Some Jaguars fans think he did. I
2: and just I, reached the ball out. And and at some it. point,
4: I don't mind a team saying, like, this is who we are. If we can't gain two yards here after we spread you out and you're worried about our passing game and get those two yards, maybe we're just not going to be good.
3: And, i with maybe, maybe they won't. They're I 0-2. don't think they were about to go march down the field for a touchdown in overtime.
5: I also think Leonard Fournette is never going to be what the Jaguars thought he was going to be when they drafted him with a top five pick. He spent the offseason losing 15 pounds working out in Wyoming, and I still don't see the big playability from mm. him.
4: So you you're saying if they could do it over you'd take Patrick Mahomes, not Leonard.
5: Hmm. Let me well, go out on that list. Out. I mean, well, they, have they, have they have
4: Bortles. They have Bortles, so who needs a quarterback? They have Gardner Mechew.
3: <laughs> well, I know the you're third. down on him, Dan, but he, he honestly, I don't know. Really, it's like, oh, a
2: rookie sixth-round pick has growing pains? I mean, he had, he had uh,
3: more well, yards in completion he's, than Deshaun he, Watson. He's also, he, he's he also five, throwing dude. the ball better than some quarterbacks that no one's going to yank out of the starting spot. He's throwing the ball well. I don't he was not the reason they lost. He certainly didn't drag them to a win either. It's too bad, because if if they had if they had picked <laughs> I the for him. if they had picked the perfect Michael. play call. I mean you yeah. tweeted that you're all out, so no, I just, based like, on a photo that's like a year old or I'm something. I'm just not
2: like Will Brinson misled the public with an old photo. <laughs> uh, no, you can I,
3: you, but, listen, you gotta You know
2: what? ultimately i'm just not going to be on the train and i might really miss out on this because if this if this guy goes off and leads the jags to an amazing run to the playoffs i'm going to have egg all over my face no my what concern, con- a- my concern would be that
3: if, if <laughs> yeah, you're not really if, going out yeah if you're <laughs> not on the, if you're not on the train though he is going to be ultimately Saboteur destroyed on the show <laughs> with a bunch of secret bits that no one's expecting. So it's, it's just, saboteur. this is all this is again completely completely concocted. A manufactured joke? No, it's completely concocted ahead of time by you because you were probably upset you didn't lead the Minshew thing. So you're jumping oh, yeah, out! You're jumping out! Around. You're jumping out on the anti-Minshew thing. So if someone doing the best he can uh. as a backup quarterback who's looked pretty good, fails, you get to exude some sort of joy in it. It's all coming I, out That's now. That's an enjoyable life. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's all I would Have a fun time with that, Dan. <laughs> I would like a list
4: of the strangest uh, things me. you guys have battled about on this <laughs> one over this the great. years. This has to I'm be, dead on. This has to be right near the top. And if they had just called a perfect play on that two-point conversion and Minchu threw it going into Thursday Night Football, we'd be flying like, it at oh, NFL what network. A network. what a cad. Oh, he can still... He can oh, still,
2: look at his facial hair. What a cad.
3: No, oh, please. <laughs> A cad. A cad? That's not a compliment. <laughs>
2: all right. Are we ready to move on? Yes. I refuse to Please. fight with you about Gardner Minshew, Mark. I'm not going to do it. I'm not engaging.
3: Well, you already have engaged. Uh, you sneaky, I'm just not involved. You get your little sneaky tweets out there, and then it's everyone else's <laughs> job to not respond to it. It's like, sneaky we all tweets. see you. I don't know well, it, didn't,
4: it didn't have anything Please. to do. <laughs> uh, you want one more thing in this game? Yes. How about
3: this? Put the cameras on the goal
4: line. You worried about officials? like that. There's no, They didn't have the two camera because this is the you know the CBS's 17th broadcast. You know it's the it's the Q team covering this game, and you don't have two cameras on the goal line with a sensor in the ball. We could know maybe maybe the Jaguars won this game. Maybe they'll determine it in like 2034 <laughs> when they install this technology.
3: Well, a bunch of players looked at one angle and thought they did on the Jaguars sideline. Let's move on. Chiefs with field position. The kid. Out of timeout. Sixth round pick.
1: No, Damian Williams to the left of Mahomes. Takes the snap right at his belt. Turns the right hip. Now he's going to gun it long. He wants Demarcus Robinson. Coming back to the ball. He's got it in the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Demarcus Robinson. It's his turn to have the game of his life. And the Chiefs have four consecutive touchdowns. And Mahomes is in a human settling torch. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, Mitch Holtis. You can hear it in his voice. It is fun being the play-by-play man of the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Uh, the Raiders shut the Chiefs out for three quarters on Sunday. It's the one quarter where the Chiefs did score that cost Oakland. Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdown passes in the second quarter. Uh, the final one to Demarcus Robinson. Ultimately, a twenty-eight to ten win at the Black Hole, Greg. Good job, good effort by the Raiders, but once the Chiefs got in gear, this thing turned into exactly what we thought it would
4: be. Right, you might, you might have a plan for 15 minutes. You might get up in the Chiefs' grill and, and take them one-on-one because they don't have Tyreek Hill and think that you can cover a man and maybe dare Patrick Mahomes to go over to the top for you, and you're flying around, and the black hole was as loud as I've heard it in, in a long, long time, and then adjustments come, and then Patrick Mahomes incinerates you like old Mitch Holstis said. I mean, the, the, <laughs> it was as if the Raiders and even the Chiefs were kind of left in a puddle of awe for the rest of the game. There wasn't even any scoring in the second half because everyone had just decided, you know what? That's good for today, Patrick Mahomes. You're so amazing. We don't need to see anything more than 278 yards in a quarter where they called some of his plays back. I mean, a classic Mahomes kind of sequence is, He throws one of the best throws I've ever seen across his body on a third and long. It was unbelievable. They call it back because of penalty. So what do they do? They just throw a 49-yard touchdown the next play on third and 22.
3: It's the big plays for this offense. They're there week after week after week, and it translated through an entire offseason. Nothing changed. Mahomes looks better to me than he did before. This game weirdly reminded – me of Super Bowl twenty two, which is a million years ago, but that was the game where an inferior Broncos team got up ten nothing, and you thought, why are they hanging around? And then the Redskins, with Doug Williams, exploded for thirty five second quarter points. Game over, but no one really scored the rest of the game. It took that effect, but by halftime, <laughs> this was the team that was John Gruden's, and a lot of other coaches major bugbear last year and they destroyed Oakland twice and it took the same form and it took everything that happened in that nice little week one storyline that we all enjoyed on national TV and put a buzzsaw right through it in five minutes because it's hard to keep that going if you're the Raiders you don't have the
4: talent it's it's true but I I still think the Raiders could have something here the the Chiefs are gonna are going to trash teams. Look what they did to the Jaguars' defense, who played pretty well. Okay, uh, let's take out Tyreek Hill. Hey, Demarcus Robinson, 6 for 172 and 44 yards. Mecole Hardman, a 42-yard touchdown, and another 72-yarder that was called back by a shaky penalty. Mahomes would have gone over 500 in this game uh, if it wasn't for that play being called back. I just think the Chiefs and Mahomes at 24 years old is doing things we haven't seen in NFL history. It's just facts. Well, Mm
5: -hmm. that's fine. Give give the Raiders defense a pass. They're playing against the Chiefs, but why are you giving the Raiders offense a pass?
4: I think that was the most concerning thing in the game. That after that quick start, they shot themselves in the foot. They moved the ball. Uh, they would pass midfield. Uh, they had a couple of tough breaks. Maybe a miscommunication on the goal line was one interception. Uh, a tipped. Uh, no, that was a bad interception. Uh, a a pick a car. play where where Carr threw. Uh, you know, To an offensive player who kind of got you know steamrolled was another interception. I think this offense is going to not have enough margin for error because they're station to station, not enough big plays, and if you fall down, they might not be a team that can catch up.
2: Short week also. It's a, It was a tough week to assign for Oakland. I'd be interested to see where they come down next week.
4: The one thing I, I've noticed is different in Mahomes. He moves in the pocket to create more time now better than than he did a year ago where he's He did that last week too. It, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but he did that last like week. Like where he's now backing up and and Andy Reid's even calling it into some of the play calls where in one play like they have him sprinting out to the left and then turning around and and he's just buying time to so that he can set up back there and then he's torching him. It's pretty good. Let's move on. Like he, Empty backfield. Lamar Jackson yeah. in
1: the shotgun. Cardinals rush five. Jackson he's throws shot. deep. Far sideline. 20-yard line. It is caught by Hollywood Brown. And he's taken down in the grillmates Red Zone. First down, Ravens. An absolute strike. He put it in the only place where he could catch the ball. At a key moment. I mean, what a play by these two young guys.
2: Jerry Sandusky and Jared Johnson on the call for WBAL. Lamar Jackson's picture-perfect strike to Marquise Hollywood-Brown on 3rd and 11. The clincher for the Ravens, who got another great performance by their second-year quarterback. 23-17 win over the Cardinals. Um, Everyone's expecting to see electricity from Kyler Murray in the season's opening weeks. But instead, Greg, the football world is is fixed on Lamar Jackson. How good was he on Sunday?
4: I mean, another two touchdowns, 120 yards rushing. Mark Andrews goes crazy for 112. I mean, they're an offensive team right now. I think some of the Ravens beat writers after watching this game thought, you know, this is different than a year ago when they really relied on the defense to carry them and the running game, which wasn't quite there today other than Lamar. Did you say 120 yards on the ground? Yeah, 120 yes. for Lamar. <laughs> and and this year it's been more Lamar's carrying them. I know it's just two games, but this wasn't, you know, this was a game where the Cardinals moved the ball.
3: I thought day. that I think that they are perfectly built roster-wise, to do what they are doing early on, and that is the sixth time in Lamar Jackson's career where he alone has outrushed the opposing team, and they're 6-0 in those games, and I know that's not what they want to do every week, but it was a huge difference maker today, but what they have now, they're one of these teams with two playmaking tight ends, and they also, which they lacked last year, and which they've lacked essentially outside of Steve Smith, their wide receiver group, has been a issue for ages, forever. And Marquise Brown, eight catches, 86 yards, another 41 yarder. We saw the big play on the highlight. This is contagious. I mean, this team can beat you in a lot of different ways. And then you throw in their defense that essentially really kept the Cardinals totally at bay outside of a bunch of field goal drives. I want to bash the Ravens a little bit for not drafting
5: Derwin James for deciding to trade down and draft an old tight end like Hayden Hurst in the first round. But then they made up for it by drafting Mark Andrews, who Mm -hmm. looks like a pro bowler in his second season. The guy gets 100 yards every week.
4: I think this is a moral victory, too, for the Cardinals. They're at 0-1-1. I mean, they're already a million times better offensively than they were a year ago. I mean, they, they kicked three field goals inside the five-yard line, which is the first time that's happened since 1975. So it, it was a little cautious there by Cliff Kingsbury, but the game ended up being close. Kyler Murray's making Lamar, Larry Fitzgerald go over 100 yards every week. Well, Kyler Murray's throwing for 350 in his second game in Baltimore. I mean, this is pretty good.
2: Not bad. I, I can't get over this. I mean, Lamar Jackson, <laughs> he throws for 272 yards, two touchdowns, doesn't throw an interception runs for 120 MVP watch on 16 carries his long is like Wait, oh I'm kidding there, it's 2 weeks in there must have been a 60 yard run or something to spike that no. total his long was 19 so he finished for 120 on 16 carries uh, and it, it was just all him look i guess 10 15 yard runs over and over again which has to kill a defense
3: well i, mean, but I also think on. he's the kind of guy and we saw when he when he takes off with the ball there's four or five defenders looking at him wondering what on earth do i do because his next second and third and fourth step are totally confusing. He's not bashing into the line for three yards. He's swinging off, off tackle and completely causing chaos. All
2: right, let's move up.
0: Mostert now is the lone back. Second down, four 49ers in the Bengals. 39, a straight drop. Here's a blitz by B W M. They get it out to Mostert. First down, 49ers, 30. Breaks
1: a tackle. He's gone! Touchdown! Cisco. they like these 38 or 39 yarders And once old slick mostert gets the ball in his hand forget about is that it. his no nickname slick, now because he is slick and there is just no messing around
2: Greg Papa and Tim Ryan of the 49ers Radio Network. San Francisco!
3: I mean, you know these guys are sitting in the, on Saturday in their, like, one-bedroom apartments practicing these little catchphrases and calls Wait, did, over and over. Did Papa make the
4: move from the Raiders to the 49ers? That snuck under my radar. How about that? You don't think they pay him better to be in a bigger residence? I just imagine,
3: like, someone, like, looking <laughs> over, like, uh, the San Francisco Bay and one of those, like, whitewashed departments where he's just doing it into his hand over and over the little microphone call. Yay! Please. Jimmy Garoppolo tied his
2: career with three <laughs> touchdown passes. Matt Breida ran for a buck twenty-one. 49 49ers pile up 572 yards of total offense, 41-17. shellacking of the host Bengals. The Niners open their season with back-to-back road wins. How about that? 2-0 for the first time since 2012. You may remember we were there, most of us. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl that season. Uh, Greg, the Bengals were frisky in Week One and Week Two. They were outclassed
4: by the Niners. Well, this was a great example of not overreacting to Week One, which we all did, uh, getting excited about the Bengals, and being down. I'm not saying we all did. I mean, I'll never get excited I mean, about the
0: Bengals. It's our ever. job to
4: overreact to yeah. some degree, like and even Seattle, like being worried about Seattle, and then you know being ever. as worried as we were about the Forty ers who. Put together the best game that we've seen under Kyle Shane. I mean, this is the dream. 572 yards, 12 yards per attempt, 259 on the ground, and as as good a—I guess as well-schemed a game as there possibly could be because there's just receivers flying open for Jimmy Garoppolo all throughout the game. The running game was terrific. Mostert had more snaps than Matt Breida, but Matt Breida went 12 for 121 on the ground. So everyone was getting— theirs and and Jimmy G threw for two ninety seven and three touchdowns without even really having to big break a sweat. Made some really made a few nice throws too, but a lot of guys were just streaking through that Bengal secondary.
5: Both those guys Breida and Mostert can play. I'm not convinced that Tevin Coleman, he might be the third best runner on this team when he's healthy. I mean Jeff Wilson scored two touchdowns in this game. Maybe he's the fourth best who knows? Um
2: two, and oh. I two mean, games both on the east coast. They win by a combined 38 points, and we'll find out uh, the the schedule ahead is not out of control, but it's interesting because you're going to be you come home for two games. One against the Steelers, who are going to be desperate. Uh, Might be starting week. Mason Rudolph, and though. Mason Rudolph could be playing. And then you got the Browns. We'll see what happens on Monday against the Jets, and but that will be an interesting matchup. Uh, but this is a best case scenario for San Francisco when you think back to um, how how bad things looked when Garoppolo was getting his first preseason reps, and he played so terribly in that game, and there, and there was just this general concern that this was not going to come together. Well, he wasn't very good in week one, Wes, uh, but this game it looks like it was a huge step forward. Um, you got to be feeling pretty good if you're the Niners right now.
5: Well, there is a big black cloud hanging all over this. It Both might that. not be the best-case scenario because arguably the best player on their team, or at least on their offense, is the left tackle, Joe Staley. What happened to Joe? Broken fibula looks like he's out two months, and they have very little depth behind him. It'll be interesting to see if they move Mike McGlinchey, the rice right tackle over to left tackle, but then are you hurting two positions with one moot?
4: That's where stacking that win in Tampa where they didn't play well and it was a pretty ugly game that was up for grabs in the last five minutes is so big. Like when you have injuries like that, that's the difference sometimes between a good season and a bad. The Bengals lose the game where they play well on the road last week. The 49ers managed to win an ugly game. I mean, now they're 2-0. Oh.
3: If you're the Bengals though, 25 yards rushing in this game. And it, they were the team that I thought changed a lot of minds last week. And maybe not permanently, Wes. Your mind was not changed. The three of us, I think, maybe fell into spell to some degree because they looked different to me on offense. I thought that they looked like a new, like a totally, they had a completely different revised plan on offense. And today is, is killing you. And the Niners had another big turnover. Quan Alexander coming back from his ejection a week ago. That changed mm. the game.
2: And, yeah, as, as good as the vibes are last week with Cincinnati, as low as they are now, well, they're 0-2. Got to win a football game next week. Let's move on. First and ten now. From In the Italy National 31. Football League, you got to win football games.
1: Oh, you Stafford's don't. got it. Looks, looks, loads, throws, deep middle. And he's caught. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Oh, Kenny got down that nuts. <laughs> oh, 31 yards, and the Lions have the lead for the first time today. That was a great job of Kenny Galladay
3: shielding the defensive back, keeping them on the backside, coming up with a hands catch touchdown. You don't think they're saying that in their little <laughs> apartment rooms?
2: Huge <laughs> estates. Uh, and uh, We know J.B. Long's house. That's, it's looking pretty good. Dan Miller and Lomas Brown with a call for the Lions Radio Network. Jaunty. Uh, Matthew Stafford threw that go-ahead 31-yard touchdown pass to Kenny Galladay Midway through the fourth quarter The difference in a 13-10 win over the Chargers At Ford Field Uh, Galladay put the Lions ahead uh, With one after uh, Ahead and Darius Slay made it stand up With his interception with one minute to play Wes, this doesn't sound like it was the most Beautiful display of football but the Lions Will enter week three without a loss they got a tie, too, but they
5: haven't lost. That was a grown man catch by Kenny Galladay with one of the best cornerbacks in the league hanging on his back, Casey Hayward. That was a big play, and the Chargers can blame themselves. They had a three-drive sequence. First drive, two touchdowns called back on penalty, and then a fumble at the one-yard line. The next two drives missed field goals on each of them. Mm. And it's hard to blame them for going with um, Ty Long. Is it Ty Long, their kicker? Yeah. Who was Special Teams Player of the Week. Ty short, sounds like. In week one. This is a guy who nailed 88% of his kicks as an all-star kicker in the CFL. They had reason to believe he could kick in addition to punt. He misses two with the game on the line, and to me.
2: This hmm. is the NFL, son.
5: This is the NFL, and anybody who tells you that some soccer player can come in and just take over kicking duties like it's no big deal, it's ridiculous analysis, and it's incredibly disrespectful to NFL
4: kickers. Didn't see that coming from it.
5: It's it's awful analysis against a pass rush with angles to beat, with pressure on you. It's way different than kicking a 55-yard field goal in practice.
4: Mm.
5: Give me a break. Give NFL kickers a little bit of
4: respect. Well, even the great one. Didn't Matt Prater miss two kicks in this game too?
5: It's hard to kick in the NFL.
4: Yeah, so even even the best of them are missing them back and forth. This, unfortunately, Chargers fans who love Philip Rivers and and know that they're lucky, but probably have a little part of them that is like remembers these types of plays. The interception by Rivers, Wes, at the end of the game, like is I mean that's just a a play you don't expect
3: a veteran quarterback to make.
5: Well, he was picking on Darius Slay all day, and then Slay came up big with the game on the line there.
3: It does feel like if you're a Chargers fan, you keep waking up into the same awful reality of, oh, half our team is injured, and oh, our kicker suddenly is hurt, and there's a backup kicker uh, flubbing kicks, and we're losing to the Lions by three points in a terrible looking dome.
5: I'll have to go back and pay a little bit closer attention, but to me, we asked the question, how many players can you take away from the Chargers and have them be less talented than the Lions? They were in control of this game for most of the game, and they really had no business losing.
3: But maybe taking the kicker away is making you just a little bit less talented than the Lions. And
4: I don't know if it's it's coaching, and I'm sure Stafford got rid of the ball quickly, but the entire Chargers team had one quarterback hit and no sacks, and even that hit was from a cornerback. So they shut down Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram.
2: Wes, what happened to our... TJ Hawkinson, Hype Express, one catch for seven yards on three targets.
5: Well, the Lions offense didn't do too much outside of on Johnson for a while. It was basically on Johnson and Kenny Galladay. Again, I'll have to take a closer look. This was sort of my second game with the Cowboys, so I'll want to take a closer look on Hawkinson, but the Lions didn't really do much until that Kenny Galladay touchdown.
3: And we know Wes was bathing in that Cowboys action. We were watching that all down. Like the
4: the the Dolphins are tanking to try to like avoid being the type of team the Lions are. The Lions are just squarely it feels like right headed for the middle of the NFL. It's not bad, you know. You're gonna have some fun weeks. Another way to look at it: undefeated. That's true. (laughs) Let's move on.
1: And as the Bats realign, they have Brown and Gordon to the left. They spread it against the Dolphins with an empty set from the gun. Brady takes the snap and retreats. He looks left. He fires the back shoulder to Brown. Touchdown Patriots inside the near left pylon. Welcome to New England, kid. What a Uh, throw by the quarterback to the back shoulders. Antonio Brown draws bump and run from the slot. Brady signals to the head. He checks the playoff and throws a dagger to that orange pylon. That's a you run the back shoulder bait folks it's called elite talent right there
2: good for you charming bob sochi and scott zolak with the call for the patriots radio network antonio brown caught a touchdown pass in his patriots debut and the patriots uh ran back two interceptions for touchdowns bill belichick kept coming after his former pupil ryan flores to the end 43 zip clown suit competition at the stadium formerly known as joe robbie the Patriots have outscored opponents 76-3 in the first two weeks, and the Dolphins have been outscored 102-10. Mark, there was only one NFL team on the field in this game. Yes or no?
3: Yes. For the second week in a row, that's true of Miami. And <clears throat> Thank you. We'll get a little cough out there because this, this ahead, game bro. annoyed me a little. Uh, I mean, they, I, the Patriots made it very clear for all the <clears throat> people wondering what would happen with Antonio Brown out of the gate that they were going to lean on him right away. He he got the first three catches and his fourth was for that score. And when I watched the Dolphins, you know, it was 13 nothing at halftime and you almost got the sense that the Patriots were really not going all out on this in this situation. Miami cannot on either side of the ball push anyone around at all. It's it's I get it what you're trying to do. You're trying to position yourself to get a generational quarterback that you can build an entire team around. There's a lot of steps to that. Number one is getting there in real time, which is going to be a very long process for everyone involved on this team. And I like the creative approach in terms of NFL team building, but you've got to nail that draft pick. Who even knows if that quarterback exists right now? And I just wonder who comes out on the other side of this still attached and willing to sign up for year two because it's gonna it's already, for Brian Flores, has to feel like they've been through 18 weeks. This is impossible to watch, impossible on the eyes. And if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was held to about 17 yards passing on an offense that had about 38 yards total at halftime, and it's going to be like this week after week. Ryan Fitzpatrick struggles through two and a half quarters. They bring in Josh Rosen to mop up, if that's what you want to call it, a game that is utterly lost. And it's, it's, we this is looking like the worst team in NFL history. And I don't care about anyone that's gone 0-16. You look at that Browns team that did that. They were much more competitive in games.
5: Well, how many teams in NFL history have ever tried to tank their season, their entire
3: season? Well, no, it, that's on one hand. I would imagine right. that's on one hand. But this I mean, is new.
4: when the process is is ongoing, Minka Fitzpatrick played in this game. He is not expected to play next week because the reports in Miami are that the the tra- a trade is close enough where the Dolphins believe they're going to get a first rounder back, and they and they're probably going to move on from him. Kenyon Drake might be another guy that gets moved. I, I think the re- you know the defense I think was competitive. Kept kept the Patriots from scoring a ton of points until late in the third. The offense had two first downs late in the third quarter. The problem is, you know, Daniel Jeremiah said this is, you know, he watched the tape from last week. He thinks it might be the worst offensive line in history. Now, it maybe it's not the worst team in history, but the offensive line is giving Ryan Fitzpatrick and when Josh Rosen's out there absolutely no chance and is going to give their offense no chance to, to move. Uh,
3: it's, they, they've been pushed around it to an embarrassing level in two weeks, but I would also look at their defense and say, Maybe they maybe they were competitive for a stretch today. They were also don't look at last week. They were. I mean, as you're also did.
4: playing the Patriots in a defense that is loaded for bear
3: right now. I know, but it's forty three nothing. It's like they like they played two great teams over week one and two, and so maybe every week won't it won't all look like this. But it's hard to get wiped out more than they have in two weeks. No doubt. And also, you know, these are human beings. Like you, they, you, players are not going to be all in or even vaguely in, and you're going to start to play for yourself. You've lost huge chunks of the locker room already. These are savvy dudes. like They're not thinking, oh, we're going to turn this thing around when the team is week after week trading away your talent.
4: Patriots did have some bad news in this game. They lose their left tackle, Isaiah Wynn. Uh, he was replaced by Corey Cunningham, who was. Foot injury, right? Yeah, foot injury, who was you know traded for as kind of a, a replacement level player. They started Marshall Newhouse, who signed on the team on Wednesday, and I believe PFF had him graded as the lowest ranked player in the entire NFL this week. Probably. Uh, so you, that was their thinnest position. In the if you're looking for a reason for hope here, Dan, I think that was their thinnest position on the roster by a good deal going into the year, and they've lost both their starters in the first two weeks.
2: Well, I don't root for injuries, Greg, but yes, I would like someone to challenge the Patriots in the AFC. Right now, it is not looking good. But I don't take a lot of I don't take a lot out of these Dolphins games as right. much as it was fun watching what Lamar Jackson did last week. Well, who is this opponent? I,
3: I would say you could take this though. If you, and, and tell me when you when you check this game out if you disagree. Brady and Antonio Brown and as much as as annoying as that play call was from the homerisms there like they they already are in sync and it is an extreme to the point where Josh Gordon was unnecessary in the first half they're in sync and he's going to be a massive factor and he only
4: played 25 snaps which is really interesting. like less than Ryan Izzo you know about a third as much as Julian Edelman, but they threw the ball to him. I do wonder if there's a chance Is the only game Antonio Brown plays for the Patriots. The, the NFL is meeting with his sexual assault accuser on Monday. I think it's very strange that he played in this game with that looming over them, that there's a chance that the NFL could potentially put him on the commissioner's exempt list. I would assume it's possible based on how that meeting goes Gotta and the win. findings that Most they have. To win. And it, it just... Why? Like, why was that necessary until this process? Uh, Amid
3: reports that they would not have signed him had they known this was coming, so then you, so this is here, and now you play him, right? To me, I I don't don't care how you hear those
4: reports. That's the thing. It's if if if. Well, well, I need to hear them. Right. I'm saying if you're going to put that report out there, like show us with like, don't play him. Their actions do not match anything else. Put an
5: adult in the room next time somebody has to make a decision on this guy, please.
2: And uh, the one note, I mentioned how Belichick kept them going after Brian Flores. Um, according to Manish Mehta, Greg, I know this has got you up in arms, you, you, your hand motions.
4: He threw 28 times. They had two pick sixes. In the, in Bill the
2: Belichick called a zero blitz on the final play of a 43 nothing win. <laughs> a zero blitz, if you don't know, is when you send the house at the passer. He did that 43 nothing.
4: Well, Rosen couldn't handle it. It was 7 for 18. I mean, he clearly... Well, do you think
3: Belichick agrees Stop defending this That was was a joke. That was
4: a joke. (laughs) 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 joke. (laughs) Let's move on.
2: Zero blitz? Second and five for the admire. Bills at the Giants' six. <laughs> Again, three wideouts left side. The snap,
1: Josh Allen looks for blocks. Going to try to run it in himself. Headed to the corner the end zone, win. he is in. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, his second touchdown run of the year. This one goes six yards around the right side, and it looked an awful lot like the one last week. Untouched there. The Bills pull two guys out in front. Gets a great cut block on linebacker Ryan Connolly to set up the scoring touchdown.
2: John Murphy and Eric Wood with the call for the Bills Radio Network. Josh Allen ran for one touchdown, threw for another. The Bills cruise to a 28-14 win over the Giants at MetLife Stadium. It completes a Meadowlands sweep by the Bills to start the season. Uh, The Bills' defense forced two turnovers. Um, Trent Murphy and Jordan Poyer both had picks. Allowed only three of the Giants' 11 drives to span longer than six plays. Uh, That's Dominance. Mark, the Bills in control of this one.
3: What an impressive opening two-game stretch for the Bills, who obviously, as you said, were on the road. And you guys got tired of me mentioning this to you downstairs, but – Sean McDermott, I thought, had an ingenious plan. And it's a little OCD and it's a little superstitious. It's a little bit overorganized, to, 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 mixed all into one. But they stayed at the same hotel. They put the players in the same exact rooms as last week. The coach wore the same clothing day after day. And they went out and they drummed a second New York team. And the Bills, to me, are a playoff team. If they, getting, if they keep getting the coaching that they're getting from McDermott and from Leslie Frazier as the defensive coordinator and – Surprisingly to me, Brian Dayball as well, I think has done a really, really good job. Josh Allen has impressed me two weeks in a row by overcoming mistakes. The four turnovers last week could have buried some quarterbacks we've seen who struggle with confidence in in this early season. He bounced back from that. Took a couple bad sacks early on in this game. Didn't phase him. They've got just enough on the ground with Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. I like Singletary a lot. He got banged up in this game. They're getting just enough from Cole Beasley and the rest through the air. And their defense, Ed Oliver, when you nail these first-round picks like they have, Ed Oliver looks like a star already. He helped generate on a batted pass, a big turnover in this one. And the Giants are an absolute wandering lost ship, and I don't even know where to go. Is it their defense that could not be more confused and leave Bill's players more wide open and has an absolute talent train, or an offense and a coaching staff, especially if you're Pat Shermer. I don't know who is not allowing you to start your other quarterback at this point just to see what would happen. Because if you continue on this path with Eli Manning, you are not going to be a head coach. You need a spark. You need someone to come in. We've been saying it. Every The entire world's been saying it. Everyone but the Giants organization. It's not just that Eli Manning is better than we think and we're just piling on him. He was... The problem today, along with an offense that after their first drive with Saquon, Saquon Barkley, has no ability to surprise anyone. If you can, you're you going to get scored on on that first drive, two weeks in a row that happens, then you just drop a bomb on him and the Giants have no answer.
5: Jack Rabbit Jenkins, after the game, threw his pass rush under the bus saying that he can't cover for 10 seconds on every play. Uh-oh. Uh, and then Pat Shermer said, look, we're not going to take a look at the quarterback situation. Eli is not the problem.
3: Well, I don't it shocks me that problems. an NFL coach would, would come out of this game uh saying that.
2: There's a they have a lot of problems. They don't they're talent poor and they have an old quarterback that they have to make a
4: switch on. Bills Bills right now are QB killers. I mean they and not that they you know gave Sam Darnold a
3: mono, but they made him look Well, you you can't, know, maybe it we, did. We don't you know, know they they gave him the worst performance. I think Tamarius Thomas might have given him mono. That's <laughs> the, that's, that's they really gave fun.
4: him the worst performance, you know, a quarterback had last week really, and it sounds like similar to Eli Manning, nine passes defense. It's that secondary is is a veteran secondary, and they fly to the ball.
5: This uh, is a tough, likable, well-coached team. And maybe the Jets and Giants both end up drafting in the top five, so these two wins won't seem as uh, impressive late in the season. But going on the road the first two weeks of the season, that's pretty good.
4: And everyone you know, says the Patriots have this cake schedule early in the year, and it gets harder. But they have the Bills in a couple weeks. They do. That could be a matchup of two and 3-0 teams in Buffalo because Buffalo has the, uh, the I, Trevor it, Simeon show in week.
3: And people forget that Buffalo gave New England fits no, on, on Monday Night Football last season. And th- so the Bills finally, they have their home opener. That's right, their home opener next week against the Bengals. The Bengals. Bye-bye, Cincy. And then you've got New England at home the next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. not
2: don't like stumble that. against Cincinnati, though. Because if you stumble against Cincinnati and then get killed
3: in New England, all of a sudden you're 2-2 two and two and all this juice is gone. Take care of business next this week. This doesn't feel to me like the Bills teams of old that have done that systematically year after year. They feel a little bit different. I hope you're right. All right, let's move on. Hope I'm right.
2: Press <laughs> that under center, second
1: down six. With a play fake to Elliott. He's got a lot of time deep to the middle. He's got a man in the middle of the field. It's caught, and it's in for the touchdown. Good! To- Smith, how about that? Devin Smith, you're all the way back.
0: And it's just play action in the backfield. They've got no safety in the middle
2: of the field. Devin Smith just runs away from Josh Norman here.
0: Great route, great throw, great throw, great pass protection, great call by Kellen Moore.
2: Uh, Brad Sham, the Sham God, and Babe Loffenberg with the call of KRLD. Stay hot, Dak Prescott. Cowboys quarterback carved up the Redskins defense with his arms and legs. 26 of 30 for 269, three touchdowns, and 69 yards rushing in a 31-21 Cowboys win. Wes, will Zeke Elliott eventually take full control of this offense once he rounds it to shape, or are we all of
5: a sudden in the middle of a sneaky MVP MVP candidate Dak type Dakasance? I absolutely think Dak can be an MVP Dakassan. candidate this year, considering the strength of that roster and what Kellen Moore's done with the offense, and then add on top of it, Dak Prescott's improvement, starting with the second half of last year. He entered this game with the most passing yards in the NFL over the previous nine games going back to last season. Mm. He has been playing well for a long time now. And in this game, you saw another playmaker emerge, a guy I've been talking about, Devin Smith, led the team in receiving in this game, burned Josh Norman, which seems like not that great of a feat. I think we could do that now. Josh Norman's getting burned a lot on deep balls. Michael Gallup burned him on another deep ball, and Dak missed through it, turned him around on the play. Um, After last week, Dak had a perfect passer rating. Sluggish start in this one, and the interception off Randall Cobb's hands was his fault. It was a bad throw. But then he completed 18 straight passes at one point in this game. Oh! He is getting hot with Kellen Moore calling the plays, and I don't think it's a coincidence. You do have to point out the caveat that the Giants' defense is terrible. The Redskins secondary was injured coming up into this game and suffered another cornerback injury during the game. So I think you have to say, let's let's hold off and see if this truly is one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. So far this year,
4: they have been.
2: Prescott led Dallas on consecutive touchdown drives of 97, 83, and 75 yards.
4: Well, and they're different. You you know, Dan has been on Seahawks corner. There's no one been on Devin Smith corner like Chris Wesseling. And to me, that is emblematic. Of the the fact that this team's a little deeper, that they have guys like Devin Smith and Gal on a day where you know Cooper gets 44 yards and Randall Cobb gets 24 yards, they're still putting up 474, doing what a really good team should do, which is control a game on the road against an inferior opponent in the division and just walking into two and zero. I think I think. You can't lose against the Redskins and the Giants right now if you're the Eagles or Cowboys. You just need to rack up four wins against those two teams.
5: And on the the one series where they sat Zeke for the entire series, Pollard came in. They marched right down the field. Pollard scored and lost the touchdown on a penalty. Mm. But they ended up with a field goal on that – and it didn't feel like – I mean, Zeke played well. He played much better than he did last week. He went under over 100 yards because he had a 27-yarder to salt the lead late in the game. But this was not something where, where Zeke carried the team. No matter
3: who they're putting back there, they're moving the ball. My biggest concern for the Cowboys, and this is a little more long range after what could be, who knows, a Super Bowl season for them, is that Kellen Moore, with the way that coaches are being promoted at such rapid pace, could be a head coach – by mid January and if it if Dallas doesn't have wow. the decisive nature to make him their head coach, I think he's going to be somewhere you're, else. And then you're is, stuck with a one-and-done scenario. There is
5: no way Jerry Jones is letting you, this guy out of the building. Well, he'll, he'll
4: make him the head coach. You're giving me flashbacks because they did not let Jason Garrett go they did not. to Baltimore when he was the hot, rising guy, and Garrett decided to stay as the highest-paid assistant in NFL history by far uh, to stay for another year and then eventually got the job. I, I'm with you. You can't let like, well, – it's early. Well, let's let, let let Jason not Garrett wins the guy guy. Super Bowl. I think everything's going to be okay, right? Yeah, but, that, right?
3: but so, I don't know <laughs> yeah, that it's going to be okay. Then you make
4: the move. It's like going yeah. to Switzer <laughs> That's except a
3: better It's option. not insane. I think I could see it. <laughs> you would that. fire
2: Jason Garrett if, if they won the Super if Bowl. You,
3: if it is largely identified that it was Kellen Moore's. Uh, you know they've had Jason Garrett, whatever. If it was Kellen Moore's might, influence, they flipped the switch. Yeah,
5: they might have the top well, two I, candidates. Yeah. They're They're why crazy. Is that,
3: here. Why is that crazy? No, if I the
2: Cowboys win the Super Bowl, you would fire Jason Garrett to make sure Kellen Moore didn't get out the door. If the
5: if the Cowboys I, win the Super Bowl, no, it's, it's because not. Kellen Moore is the guy it's,
3: pulling it's, the trick. Dan, it's not. Oh insane. my god.
5: Well, they've also got a head coaching candidate on the other side of
4: the
3: ball, Chris Rashard. Jerry Jones is also the guy who insanely fired Jimmy Johnson. He can do insane things, and he's done them before, and he'll do them again. The
4: only insane thing is we're having the conversation (laughs) after week two, but I like it. We're ahead of the game on this one, and if the the Cowboys are a soap opera, if the Cowboys are entertainment, what a better cliffhanger than... Then after being so unbelievably loyal to Jason can Garrett we, for a decade, they're jumping
3: off this bus too. Then you fire him on. right
4: when he wins the Super Bowl. No one's going to see that heel turn coming. People
3: Bang. are going to be coming back for season. I mean, we're not. Redskins should have kept Sean fired, McVay
4: and let Jay Gruden go.
3: There you go.
2: All right. Um, by the <laughs> much way, much
3: more sane to keep Jay Gruden.
2: Um, Devin Smith. Tore his ACL twice as a, fe- a second round pick of the Jets. This one's not one of those ones. They're like, ugh, they blew it again. The Jets. No. I'm happy for this guy. Like yeah. he was basically, uh, uh, he was a great college player, amazing athleticism, and it looked like his body just was never going to cooperate. He gets the chance with the Cowboys and making the most of
5: it. Good Anybody could have had him. This was his first catches since 2016. Um, all right. Three on the play clock, two, one, snap to Ryan, here comes Philly, quick
1: throw, this is Julio Jones, 45, 40, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Atlanta, holy goodness smokes. What a great call by either Matt Ryan or Dirk Cutter or both. They showed sellout blitz, they've been showing zero coverage and coming with everybody that wasn't covering somebody, all Atlanta needed was one block. They got the block on the perimeter, and who shows the world-class speed to put it in the end zone?
2: When the Atlanta Falcons needed a big play, they went to the big man, Julio Jones, who takes the screen pass, perfectly executed, and goes 54 yards to the end zone, putting the Falcons ahead, and they stayed ahead. It got a little dicey there at the end uh, with Carson Wentz making a charge deep into Falcons territory, but they get the stop on fourth down and secure a much-needed 24-20 win over the Eagles. The Falcons improved to 1-1. One one. The Eagles drop to 1-1. One one. Uh, Greg, this is a um, really quality Sunday night football game, especially the second half where things got really dicey. Nelson Aguilar is not going to sleep tonight. Mm. That drop down the sideline would have put the Eagles back ahead, and then we see what happens with the Falcons. But... That's not how it all played out, and the Falcons get the W.
4: Well, you like to see the team that looked like the better team for most of the night get the win. The, the Falcons moved the ball better for most of the night. They were certainly the healthier team. The Eagles seemed to have the worst injury luck in the league. But you talked about it earlier at the NFC South, how wide open it is, and this was a reminder how quickly Week 1 can evaporate because the Falcons are feeling great right now on a night where Matt Ryan threw three interceptions through some of the passes, that everyone like you, the doubters, Dan Handis, you were getting on him in here. and I, think I didn't he, doubt him. I challenged him. I think I mean, he heard you. He
3: you motivated him You yes.
4: called him a bum.
2: Uh, I this- said, do something right here in a big spot, Matt Ryan. I'm sick of you not coming up big. And what did he do? He came he went, up big.
5: He went to the play and changed the call at the line of scrimmage, seeing that the, Jim Swartz, once again, playing without a safety, bringing the house, which he brought the house all second half. And Matt Ryan made him pay on that. And Jake Matthews with the pancake block—it was
2: just a perfectly executed play by a Falcons offense that has been maligned in the post-Shanahan uh, Shanahan years. Uh, but for one night and one play
4: call, everything was right. And the and they really should have lost. I mean, if you think about the Aguilar, maybe who knows? Maybe Matt Ryan would have gone back down the field too. The fact that the Eagles were in this game, despite Carson Wentz had about. You know, eighty-nine yards at some point in the fourth quarter with two interceptions. He had been hit all night. They lose Alshon Jeffrey. They lose Deshaun so Jackson, and yet the Eagles were still right in that game to to have Aguilar drop it and like, miss the chance to win there. This, in so many ways, other than the Ryan picks, this is the kind of defense and the kind of game that Dan Quinn wants.
3: Well I think if if the Falcons find a way to not win this game, okay, hey, so
4: <laughs> forgot about
3: that. <laughs>
4: now is that still all, the song? All I'd say is, is that football? her like Can we what confirm?
3: she's no what she's crooning now the newer version is even lesser than that version it's in was. Wisconsin so
2: litigation.
3: I well, think. she's heading in the wrong direction. So I've got nothing to worry about. I mean, if you're the Falcons, Dan Quinn is faced with questions all week about his job security and the direction of a team that you know everyone was all in on Dan Quinn, and if they start zero two. They look farther removed from that Super Bowl year than ever imaginable. I'm still concerned, though, about an offense where Matt Ryan has thrown five picks in two games. He had what West seven all year. You mentioned seven all year? year last year. Your they- leading rusher is Edo Smith with 32 yards. Devonta Freeman, who's back from injury, is rushing for two yards per carry. I don't know. It's nice to escape with a win here, but...
2: The Devonta Freeman comeback season is not off to a great start. Ito Smith, you mentioned, he goes four for 32. The long was 28 yards. So, So he had most of his on one one play. Uh, So, yeah, I don't think the Falcons are a finished... Uh, product on offense. Hopefully, they'll continue to evolve. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, again, look like one of the best one-two punches in the league. I just want to get back to the Eagles for a second here. Wentz, this is one of my favorite, and I need to rewatch this game, but the, especially the second half is one of my favorite Carson Wentz games I've ever seen because he did nothing, and the Eagles had tons of issues in the first half with the injuries, including Wentz, who went into the uh, pop-up uh, tent for a while after taking that vicious shot to his his chops. Uh, and he was—he just had, uh, you know, great will and spirit in the second half of this game. And if Algo—if Alghar doesn't drop that pass, I mean, this is a total different conversation we're having. You can't get too excited about the Falcons' defense on that last stand because they got bailed out on a terrible drop, um, and then on fourth down, Wentz, in the face of incredible pressure and a crushing another crushing hit. Hangs in tight and delivers another big reception. Algar caught this one, um, and then they, you know, they got out of it from there. But I think the Falcons have a lot of issues still, and they're going to feel good about themselves right now, as they should. Uh, but I think this team has a lot of work to do.
3: Wentz is still the guy that uh, you know. There were two or three plays tonight where we were like, he is dead meat, and then he's escaping, rolling, you know, pulling away from a defender. You think he's pulled down a second time unfurls a throw, the one where the knee is nearly touching the ground, and it's a completion. He's magical to watch when he's on. Mm.
4: Grady Jarrett with a big game. We talked before the season started how the season could come down to Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. Beasley, not necessarily a good game. He was the guy that, that Car- Carson Wentz was carrying on his back on one play as he threw falling to his knee, but Vic Beasley did kind of run into a key sack late in the game, and McKinley had eight hurries and two QB hits, so he was very active uh, f- for the Falcons. I'm not worried about the style point. Give me a break. They're playing the Eagles, one of the Super Bowl type of favorite teams. It's week two. You just try to get out of there with the win, and you're happy. Give me a break. And you're no happy. Get no it, break from me. There's no style points. You just put this one in they the bank, out, and you hope you keep getting better. They
2: were flat and ugly in week one, and, and this was not a very pretty game either, but they did come out on the right end.
5: Of well, it. there's no NFC South team that any of us could feel good about right now.
2: No.
3: They it's, should feel the best tonight. Well, about that? they're not the team announces.
2: that's had bowls. No Alshon Jeffrey in this game. <laughs> the bowls of sods. That
3: feels so four days old at this point. Oh.
2: Deshaun Jackson uh, leaves with an injury, uh,
4: and Wentz still almost brought this team back, but he doesn't. They have to be worried, though, about, about the injuries. They feels like they have some of the worst injury luck in the entire NFL. And sometimes sometimes that's what it comes down to. Like, sometimes, you're, I mean, seasons come down to luck, probably more than anything, that, that – they make the tackle on Zach Ertz when he's coming back to the ball, so he's half a yard short on fourth down, and maybe that's the difference between winning or losing. You stack up like three of those versus getting unlucky three times. You're 11 and five versus five and 11.
3: And most importantly, there are reports that this affected uh, Rick Holiday's fantasy team, if I'm not mistaken, which certainly directly affects our show and the result of our show that's ultimately, true. and how we're treated.
4: Why? Why does that have anything <laughs> I don't to do know. with anything?
3: Well, because <laughs> uh, is it you it know, you're the... a bit of a wild card. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about right there. That's why. <laughs> we don't get that if your fantasy team is flying is through it the true? skies. I'm abused is by it. Is it
2: true, Erica, that the Julio Jones touchdown cost you your fantasy match? It
3: did. It
1: did. Well. And Well, they also had the the Patriots defense on their team. Okay. But I was still. do
2: Okay.
3: Don't care. okay. Don't care. Pay it for it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> These are the Eagles injuries before we sign off. Co- Corey Clement, shoulder, Tim Jernigan, foot, Deshaun Jackson, groin, Dallas Goddard, calf, Alshon Jeffrey, calf, Carson Wentz, check for concussion, N- Nelson Aguilar check for concussion, Jason Kelsey was injured. I mean, Jason Peters at the end.
3: Dan Hanses, check for concussion, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time to go. <laughs>
2: You'll be checked for a concussion when the Jets take out the Browns on Monday oh, night. Oh, see,
3: this is how you really feel.
2: Van is signing off. More okay. Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Holloway behind the glass. J-E-T-S!